this week's episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast covers managerial changes in Philadelphia and Anaheim, and is Chicago next? The current hot streaks and cold streaks in Major League Baseball. Yankees, did they just find their diamond in the rough? And who's on your MLB All-Star ballot? We'll discuss some of our picks with you. Coming up next. Hello, listeners. My name is Alex Johns, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Travis Miller. I am more of a stats nerd, and he was a total stud on his D3 college team. This is the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Enjoy. What's going on, listeners? Welcome back to another episode of the Two Tools Baseball Podcast, episode 65. Alex and I are coming to you live. It is June 13th, Monday night. Pretty exciting week of baseball, Alex. But I want to start today's episode off with just kind of a pretty crazy stat I did see today. Um, posted by Starting Nine. They oh, are a uh, pretty pretty famous baseball podcast out there. But uh, one of those almost like Tony Gwynn stats that you see where it's just like, oh my goodness. Like, how has this happened in one season? But we aren't through one season yet. But the stat today was about Jose Ramirez, Cleveland Guardians third baseman. Alex, right now he has 16 home runs on the season and only 17 strikeouts on the year. Um, we we are we are 56 games in, or at least he is 56 games in. And I just thought to myself, just what an absurd stat that was that he almost has more home runs right now than strikeouts. And um, I I'm tr- I'm trying to look back, and I, we, we might have done a segment on this, you know, a while back, but. You know, how many guys have been, you know, even with home runs to strikeouts in a season? That right there is just pretty significant for uh, a major league ball player. So I wanted to share it first, you know, to start the episode out. But, I mean, we, we rave about him all the time. Right now, of course, yeah. he's leading MLB in triples with four and leading MLB with 59 RBIs. But that stat alone just really says that he is making contact almost every single at-bat or plate appearances. And then, of course, the power is coming with it. Right now, 16 home runs. He's on track for probably a career high in home runs this year. He had 39 in 2018, but right now he could be looking at 40 or forty or more home runs this year. But thoughts on that stat, Alex? Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. I remember before we had a podcast, we would just bounce kind of trivia or stats back and forth and text and all that kind of stuff. I remember one time my dad brought a piece of trivia to me. And I brought it to you, and we were debating it for a long time. And the stat was like, how many players have had over 40 home runs in a season and then less strikeouts than mm-hmm. home runs in that season? And it's only been like, it's only been a small handful of guys, and they're all like inner circle Hall of Famers, mm-hmm. except for like one guy who did it three times. And I don't know how to say his last name. It's like Ted, like Kluwitzki, but yep. it's like, I, I, it I think is, he was a senator. Oh, yes. It, yeah. It might have been a senator back in and the like day, a, but like a red as well. I think he kind of was kind of a journeyman, but. Yep. Um, yeah, it's crazy that, uh, it's something that I feel like we, I thought we wouldn't see in the future just because, um, people obviously are very home run focused in this generation and then cut to, to focus on the power. People are kind of selling out and they're kind of okay with strikeouts, but Jose Ramirez has taken the power approach while also really protecting with two strikes and not selling out and just doing a great job of 
um, somehow keeping the contact super high and the power with it, like you mentioned. So he's su he's a super special player, Travis. I think I had him like, you know, definitely in my top six or seven players. I, I forget exactly where I placed him going into the season, but we both know that when things are right with him, he's an MVP candidate. It's going to be hard to win one out there in Cleveland, but he has put himself firmly in the race. Um, right now, it feels like it's judges award to lose just because mm -hmm. he's so hot and his team is like easily the best team in the American League right now. Um, so it seems like, you know, all signs are pointing to judge, but if you're going to say who's going to have the best season when it's all said and done in 2022, I would not, if you say Jose Ramirez will have a better season than judge, I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Mm -hmm. Jose Ramirez could very easily do so. He could, you know, I think judge is leading in the OPS, um, over Ramirez by a bit right now, but I mean, it's like, you know, Ramirez does it all. In the, he does it on the yep. base pass. He does it defensively at the hot corner. So, um, tons of like about Jose's season so far. I'm glad you brought him up to kind of highlight that. Yep. But um, yeah, Travis, there's so much to talk about this week. Um, and just to go back, I'll, I'll, I'll go give a kind of a, a bright spot on uh, Ted Klazuski. His name is Ted Klazuski, uh, Cincinnati Red. Alex, four straight seasons of more home runs than strikeouts for him. It went from 1953 to 1956. So just a nice little history trivia fact that a uh, guy that was a four-time All-Star, that's pretty much all he really did. Uh not a Hall of Famer, but just a unique stat that I don't think, you know, probably underrated for his time because he might have not had the batting average, but he had the he had the power and avoided strikeouts somehow. Definitely, definitely. And in the in three of those seasons, he had forty or more home runs. Wow. So that's pretty significant, right there too. That we something a stat that you probably won't see uh, very often, especially in this era that we're playing in, where strikeouts will be very, very high. But uh, just kind of wanted to throw out Jose Ramirez to start off the episode. Uh, pretty incredible stat that I, I woke up to um, seeing that. I mean, just amazed at what he's been doing so far. Um, you know, I think ever since the, uh, the, the you know, Cleveland's kind of been in this sell mode, I feel like for the last couple of seasons, you know, Carrasco and Lindor uh, off to New York, uh, you know, Ramirez has picked up tons and tons of slack. And he's the reason why they're doing so well this season. I think right now we looked, they're a second place team right now. They are three games back behind Minnesota. So the, the Cleveland guardians are making some serious, serious noise, uh, so far in June, but, uh, how do you want to kick today's episode off? Yeah. Um, you kind of brought up how they're second in their division. Um, which means it's very surprising that another team is third in the division. That being the Chicago white Sox. That's right. We'll start off this episode, Travis talking about some of the recent managerial firings that have mm -hmm. happened in the last week. Um, and then also we will uh, kind of foreshadow who we think could be next. But starting off, Joe Girardi was fired uh, the, I guess, the night before the morning of the first game against the Angels. And they swept the Angels, of course, in Philadelphia. It was a really good series uh, for the Phillies. Um, they had a blowout win and they had some also close wins, even a walk-off win with a walk-off home run. Um, so of course a big like emotional win, a big, you know, team chemistry kind of win where you feel like everyone kind of picked each other up, getting that serious sweep. And ever since then, Travis, they've been rolling. I think they're up, up to 500 now. And I really feel like the team's talent is finally being realized mm -hmm. because I was high on them going into the season. I'm always higher on them than they actually perform just because, it's just a kind of a thing where the talent's there and I feel like it wasn't being used right. I'm personally a believer that Girardi was making a handful of mistakes in regards to leaving in starting pitchers way too long. I saw it because I had Wheeler in fantasy last year and I have Nola in fantasy this year. And it's just like so many times you see these guys, 
they have a the lineup for a win, right? It's like the sixth inning or maybe going into the seventh inning. Lined up for a win. It's like a 2-1 game. You leave him in too long. He hits 100 pitches third time through, and he gives up like a tank. So it's mm-hmm. just like, yeah. you know, th- there's your game. It's like I get that their bullpen has really struggled, so I do understand like riding those aces as long as you can squeeze them. But when they keep blowing the game like that or like it's not I, – I can't even blame the pitcher. I really kind of blame the team strategy. Yeah. So to me, Travis, I think it's, set, it's kind of catapulted them in a great direction. Give me your overall thoughts on Phillies moving on from Girardi and their new kind of momentum. Yeah, well, I mean, nine straight wins after the firing, that uh, that right there is the first sign that it's been working. Um, I, I'm trying to think of their their new manager's name. I think it's like Rob, Rob Williams or Rob Thompson or something like that. But um, coming in, you know, first game against the Angels, uh, struggling Angels team, and they just kind of really took it to them that series and, uh, you know, been really propelling themselves the last couple of weeks to now put themselves in a spot where they can start looking at a possible, you know, six seed for the playoffs. We look back two weeks ago. I mean, Philly was just dead in the water. The Mets were performing so well. Um, Atlanta was not playing well. Uh, But now it's kind of gotten itself into a very, uh, a very different National League East, I would say right now, especially because Philly is 500. The way that Atlanta's playing, we'll probably cover that in a little bit. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, what I will say is that when you fire a manager and then you win nine straight, um, Dombrowski and the front office looks very, very good. So uh, they're, of course, very proud of their decision of the last, uh, last, you know, probably 10 or 11 games ago. Yeah, you're right. It was Rob Thompson. It's, uh, it's, you're right. It's, it's a definitely a different division than it might have been a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, it felt like the Mets just had this monstrous gap. Um, and I think the Mets just had a kind of a, uh, a challenging road trip. Oh, yeah. Dodgers, they, Padres, you know, bo- they, both, they, they had yeah, some tough games. Both LA teams and the Padres. Uh, and they went 500 in the road trip, I believe. So with that kind of slate and going 500, you're probably like saying, okay, you know, that's a that's a fine stretch. You know, you're on the road. Um, we more or less took care of business. But they lost some ground. Um, they're still by far in first. But mm-hmm. the Phillies have been hot as well as the Braves have been very hot. But before we move on to those other teams – I want to kind of shift into after the really kind of embarrassing getting swept by the Phillies, not because the Phillies are bad, but just the way that it happened. Yep. You lost like a game like 11 to zero or something like that. Yep. And then you blew a game twice. You blew two leads um, against the Phillies in that Sunday game uh, about a week and two days ago. Yep. So uh, after that kind of demoralizing series, uh, they go home. I think Madden, Faced Boston one game, right? Yeah. The and, Waka and, game. We and lost one zero. We came to the fans, uh, you know, we came to the listeners that night. They lost one zero. We kind of gave our twenty five minute rant on yep. you know what needs to happen. And Alex, I mean, practically almost twelve hours later, the news came out. Yeah, it was really it was really silly that like we had just recorded and I was still editing the episode as the biggest change in our season just kind of happened yep. before us. But um Something big is gonna happen tomorrow. <laughs> I hope some hope something good. But uh, Joe Madden, Travis, being relieved of his spot as the Angels' uh, manager. Personally, it's a mixture of surprised because uh, the lack of hesitation by GM Paramanassian, but also I think it just makes sense with the fact that this is not the guy Perry picked. Joe Madden was here before Perry. Madden has yet to produce a winning season. There has been, you know, 
a handful of excuses. It's not all on him. Trout missed a lot of time last year. Otani was not himself in the 60-game season. But I think overall, the team has not performed up to standard. Yep. But despite a really good, I guess, like April and part of May uh, this current season, and then things took a huge tailspin. A lot of winnable games were lost by one run. Half, half, I think seven of the 14 games during the losing streak were lost by one run. And then you add another loss was a two-run loss, but that was a walk-off against us. So really so many winnable games where Perry must have felt like if a different man was steering the ship, we were winning a few of these games at least. So um, a few games could decide the wild card race, of course. So I, I really respect the decision. Um, I respect it when a, a decision maker is going to go with his, I guess, gut feeling and go with his uh, instinct. And I think he just knew that Madden was not a part of the plan. There was disagreements. Um, but before I get into, I guess, some deeper thoughts about it, uh, give me your initial reaction when you heard that news. It was tough because, you know, I feel like, at the, you know, when you said how many games we lost by one, um, you know, you got to say to yourself, is it is it anybody's fault? Is it just bad luck? And we saw so many games, Alex, where it was just so much bad luck going against the Angels' sure. way. There's so many games we could have won. So many games that, honestly, you probably would have agreed with Matt and said, I would have put that guy in. I would have put in Loop. I would have put in Tapera, possibly. But they just couldn't get the job done. Walked too many guys. Run scored. Uh, but, I mean, when, when you lose, I mean, I think at the time it was about 12 games in a row. When you lose 12 games in a row... Um, and you know you're sinking fast. I I, I definitely respect uh, Perry's decision as uh, the GM to make a change for this season. He knows how important this season is. Uh, you know he knows the momentum that we've already built throughout the season that he cannot let this continue. Uh, and Phil Nevin, the uh, the third base coach, was named you know the interim manager of the year. He'll manage the rest of the season, but. I really do honestly respect the decision. I knew something was going to probably happen because I feel like you can't lose 12. Then, of course, you lose 14 straight. But you can't lose that many games and not expect, you know, some sort of change to happen inside the locker room. But um, right. tough situation. Uh, you know, and, and you know, it's crazy is if you told every Angels fan when we were 27 and 17 that Joe Madden will not be the manager in two weeks. Um, I, and I know you asked something that terrible happened in his life or something. Exactly. <laughs> you asked me that question. I would have said, you know, there's probably some sort of like, you know, you know, assault charge or something that happened in the locker room or, you know, I don't know, some sort of, so, you know, yeah. banned substance that was that he was using or something like that. But you would have never thought that the angels dropped that many games. And so, uh, it's a tough thing to happen, you know, tough thing to, to go through. I know Perry was very, um, I wouldn't say just very upset with the press conference, but he was, of course, just disappointed by, you know, having to make that call at this point of the season, especially where we were two weeks ago prior to that firing. But, you know, you got to do things like that to make sure that the team gets back on track, because, again, he knows how important this season is. He knows how important that this start uh, cannot be wasted. And, you know, still we're below 500, Alex, but, you know, I will say something. We're still in it. We're still in the thick of things. 100 games We to still go. have tons and tons of baseball left to get the sixth seed. And that's what we've always been saying, I think, for the past, you know, I think for the past two and a half months is the Angels' main clear focus is get to the playoffs. I know two Angel fans. Two years, more like. Exactly. I know Angel fans are always big on, we want to win the division. But in my eyes, I want to really think small and think playoffs first before we win the division. But um, any, any other thoughts, of course, on, on the firing? Yeah, so... 
I like what you said about you. You mentioned twelve game losing streak. You expected something to happen, and I do agree that um, it's the losing streak is not all on Madden, but it is definitely part on Madden. There's a, an element where he is to blame for certain things. We, we text about you know every day. It's like oh the lineup today. Why are we benching, exactly? Why are we benching March for back to back games in the Bronx exactly. and we lose those games by one run? You know he's a great player who's getting really hot right now. Um, would have been nice to see him in some more games. There's, we have tons of philosophical questions about, you know, who's getting rest and who's getting injured and why and blah, blah, blah. Who's getting sent down, you know. Yeah. Who's getting called (laughs) up all the, all the nuances, but just big picture stuff of why he, I think he got fired is like you said, there needed to be accountability. You don't have to put all the blame on one guy, but I think there does need to be consequences. Um, I also want to add a really key point that really shocked, I mean, it didn't shock me because it kind of made sense, but to see it in a report was, it was just a perfect way to kind of symbolize the relationship between Madden and Manassian. And it's that there was a report after the firing that I think actually, I think Madden said this too. I think he spoke with Rosenthal or it was one of the reporters. Mm-hmm. Um, he spoke to him after the firing and gave him like the scoop. And Madden said that he requested to the front office to give me, give me and like the coaching staff less stats, less information when we're prepping for the game. They want to go more off probably just like some film and like go off more feel and kind of baseball, uh, you know, there's eye test there and there's lots of traditional baseball kind of uh, mindset that goes into it. But I think Manassian is someone who he came from the Braves, who obviously a really smart organization. I think he also Manassian. I think he also worked in for the Brewers for a while, and like mm-hmm. these are just teams who and even are, Toronto as well are yeah. kind of built on analytics in some in some way. He definitely has that kind of mind to him, at least. And I think hearing that from Madden probably was a big uh, detraction from, I guess, the relationship and just kind of saying this coach can't be the one for us if he's telling us, you know give me less information, it's too much, or blah, blah, blah. But then we see all these questions we have from Madden's in-game decision-making. It's like, I wish you had more information, Madden, because maybe you'd make decisions that we might have agreed with a little bit more. At the end of the day, a lot of people might might say it comes down to the players producing, and that is completely a part of it. Of course, Trout had a huge skid during the losing streak. He missed games. Taylor Ward missed a lot of games. Yeah. Rendon missed yeah. games. Same thing as Shohei. You, you can al- skid. Yeah. You, you can almost blame it on injuries as much as anything else because we were missing for a stretch of time there. Trout and Rendon and Ward, our three best right-handed bats, were all on the injured list or day to day, and you. It's going to be impossible to uh, build, construct an MLB winning team lineup when you're missing your three best right-handed bats. There was no one protecting Shohei. He he literally like they would just put him on and then. Strikeout, strikeout, strikeout behind them. You know, it was it was it was was pretty sad. But um, I guess last note I have of a note I have here is I know Madden made some kind of like weird Adele comments right before he got uh, fired. I think I I I wish I had exactly in front of me what he said, but um, I feel like the way he kind of might have handled the Adele situation could have honestly tied into this whole thing too, just because um, it seemed like there were so many times where Adele's in AAA and we're just playing you know, Tyler Wade and Jack Mayfield in corner outfield spots. Yep. And it's just kind of, you know, w- w- what's the game plan here? And obviously Madden was not the one who sent him down in the first place because that's, you know, a, a general manager decision of who's on the roster. But um, it, it's definitely it's definitely just kind of, uh, it's just kind of a head scratcher organizational 
organizationally when you have a top prospect who's trying to prove himself in AAA, you know, and he's getting his daily reps, which is, I guess, what their goal is. But um, you look up at the big league team. And you got middle infielders. You got middle infielders playing outfield. You have, you, you, you I think we literally signed Juan Lagares to like a minor league deal. And then we immediately brought him up and he's like batting leadoff. Yeah. And his, yeah. His, and his hitting for a couple of games, it was solid. And then it just like, you know. And his defense, it was it, it, mean. It, it, went, it went to nothing. And the defense is has been poor. Um, I almost rather bring up a guy that's, or, you know, sign a guy that's just going to be solid defensively and whatever, you know, offensively, but well, you know just, what you're going to get. Well, but. yeah, well, and just pick one. Like, and yeah. if you wanted the opposite, yeah. you just go with Adele. Adele's yeah. going to have a questionable glove, even though I would say it definitely improved on a definitely. second stint. Mm-hmm. But then the bat is, is proven. It's gotten better and better with time. Month by month, it seems like it's getting better. Um, the second stint, Travis, I really feel like his decision-making at the plate looked a lot better. I think that his he swung at less junk. Uh, he used to kind of chase when there's two strikes all the time. He kind of took some good pitches I saw. He's okay with letting some strikes uh, go like around the chase zone, like the shadow of the, of the strike zone. He's not going to... Um, just bited everything and then on defense uh, especially in right field he looked a bit more confident than he did mm-hmm. in the first couple series of this MLB season but Travis um, this all is kind of a pre uh, I guess a prequel to our thoughts about the current situation in Chicago and we're talking about Southside um, Tony La Russa, Travis it really feels like in my mind that he's next in line mm-hmm. he you know, Girardi and Madden, I think part of the reason why they were fired, in my opinion, is the kind of old school style. And I think the teams were struggling and the manager maybe took, maybe the manager took more blame than they deserved in both situations. I'm not sure, but definitely part of the blame goes on the coaches. The Chicago White Sox are underperforming right now by a lot. If you told, you know, if you told us two months in the season, two and a half months in the season, they're going to be third place in the AL Central, which is a division we both really slept on, I think. I mean, you had some high hopes for the Twins yep. to some degree, but to say that Chicago would be third, like we did not see that coming at yep. all. Um, there's still plenty of time to salvage their season, but do you think Chicago is due for a long conversation with Tony La Russa? Could he be gone before the season is ended? What is your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think that, uh, I, I think I sent you a clip today of just a awful base running miscue maybe it was this weekend or it might have been from it, sunday it was it was sunday sunday okay okay i saw it today but it was just awful base running out of i think it was Luis robert and yeah. uh extra innings against the texas rangers and then today alex you know we see lance lynn and he's arguing with one of the coaching staffs uh in the uh in the dugout so you just definitely know the tensions are rising in chicago the expectations of course were so so high and you know again the season is so far from being over that things could really be turned around but i think that larusa's time in chicago is very close to being over uh would not be surprised if he is gone before july 1st honestly because i just think that this season once you get at once you basically get into july of course, you start looking to the first couple of weeks towards the All-Star break. But after the All-Star break, that's when you really need to kick things in gear. You have basically two and a half full months left to figure it out, get to the playoffs. But right now, I think if Chicago were to miss the playoffs, that would be one of the, you know, one of the, one of the biggest 
upsets in uh, Major League Baseball this year. Obviously, of course, looking at Vegas, they had one of the best odds to win a division out of any single team in all of Major League Baseball. They had the strongest odds. So uh, that's going to be one thing that's going to be very upsetting, of course, for me, someone that put money on him. But uh, I, I honestly Travis. think Larusa, <laughs> exactly. I think Larusa, uh, his time is very, very near to being over. Um, and honestly, after that, it's probably a, a situation where Larusa is probably going to be, um, you know, probably never going to be a manager again. I, I can't really see a team really wanting to go after him. Um, I, I think that he, you know, he has so much experience and just, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time. When you look at, you know, all time wins, he's up there, I think in the top five, but, um, I think right now he's just kind of getting, I would say almost like schooled by this new, this new style or just kind of the, these other teams that are just playing a little bit smarter than he is. Um, and honestly, again, Alex, too, you look at injuries, Lance Lynn was injured for, you know, he basically just came back, I think, a couple Completely weeks ago. Completely agree. Um, you know, Joe Kelly, he's been on the IL. Uh, Moncada you know, missed Moncada time. as well. Tim Anderson missed time. Eloy missed time. Every, all I guys missed time. So you definitely, of course, see that. And that's one side where I'll say, you know what, Larissa, that's right. You've had some very tough uh, injuries to start the season in your first 60 games. But can you at least play 500 baseball? And can you at least not lose games the way you've been losing games in the past? But, um, yeah, I, I honestly think that, that his time, you know, two weeks from now, could it be having the same discussion as, you know, both Joe's from Philly and L.A.? Uh, you know, their time has come and might be looking for a new manager on the on the south side. But that's my input on that one. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'll add that I didn't mention uh, earlier is there it, it was almost like the Madden getting the Corey Seager intentional walk with bases loaded. Yep. Um, Larusa oh, right. had mm -hmm. Larusa had his <laughs> same moment. Um, they're playing the Dodgers, of course. I'm sure if you're a Dodgers fan, you were probably thanking Larusa for, for this one. But uh, essentially, I think it was man one man on base, man on first, uh, two outs, Trey Turner at the plate, through two strikes, then a passed ball, runner advances to first, sorry, to second. So it's a one-two count on Trey Turner with two outs. You just need one more strike. But they put him on first, to get a lefty-lefty matchup against Muncie, and then Muncie hits a tank, three-run home run. Yeah. So it's just so crazy that, like, yes, a lefty is going to probably do better against Muncie than Trey Turner given the numbers of this season, but on his career, Muncie has been better against lefties than righties. And then also combine that with the fact that we're talking about two strikes to Trey Turner. You can just throw three balls, and maybe you walk them, why are you gonna put him on with two strikes? He might just yeah. chase at something. Yep. Just just throw three balls in the dirt. Maybe he'll you know. It's so wild to, to intentionally walk somebody with two strikes, and then you know Muncie is no slouch. Even though he did start the season pretty poorly, uh, statistically, um, offensively, but really rebounded from coming back with IL. Um, yeah, he's been off to a really good tear. He he's someone who I think in his true self, when he's playing at his not not his best, not his worst, but at his kind of average level. He's an all-star. He's like an all-star caliber, uh, you know, utility Definitely. first and second baseman. Uh, you know, if you want to face him for the matchup, that can make sense. But with two strikes against Trey Turner and putting him on first because the base was open is what he said in the post game. The, the craziest part was they asked him about this in the post game, like multiple times where they kept kind of like trying to figure out what was the logic there. And Larusa kept kind of saying like, if you disagree with what we did, you're the crazy one because he's like, if you look at the numbers, blah, 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 but the numbers aren't factoring in 
Like, you know, you can see the le- the lefty yeah. the lefty numbers for Trey versus Muncy. I get it. But with two strikes, everyone's batting average goes way, 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 way down. Mm-hmm. Way down. Because it's so easy to strike out at that point. But um that that for me, Travis, um, it's almost a nail in the coffin where I'm like, this guy can't make it through the season mm-hmm. unless the team yeah. goes, gets crazy hot because they are so talented. They are. They have talented arms. They have talented bats. Um, and Travis, the, almost the craziest thing happened again just the other day. I think it was. I think it was Sunday, um, Sunday or Saturday or something. But uh, it it would have. I think if this happened and they lost the game, maybe he would get fired. But what, what was happening was, um, I forget who started the game, but they. It was it was um who throws a hundred, Kopech. 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 Yeah. Um, he got pulled. I forget if it was injury or what happened, but the, he gets pulled in the first. They go to Cueto for like he gives him like five innings of, of nice like l- length, but he mm-hmm. was in the starting rotation, so that kind of takes up one of your starting spots for like when you're planning for like the next week ahead of you. And I guess the bullpen was like way overworked from like the whole series, mm-hmm. and so they had like we're running out of options, and they started warming up Cease. Can you imagine if they use like three starting pitchers in one? And he didn't get get in the game, yeah, uh, luckily yeah. for the White Sox. But can you imagine if you use three uh, guys in your rotation in one game? It's like well, you just you just ruined our next week. Like we're screwed. Now, I, and I was gonna say, I feel like that's like a domino effect waiting to happen, where you're literally right. gonna go on a two week stretch of starting pitchers just having these unusual, you know, you're gonna get breaks a funk. yeah in, in their rotation, and and that that's funny you bring that up because I. I'm looking right now and I see Cueto has six games but only five starts. So now I'm wondering what game did he not start? Did he come into relief? But you told me right now um, that was that one. That I mean, I, I feel like in some games you need to just kind of scrap it and say, you know, I rather lose this game than set myself up for, you know, and it was a like week, a three a week and a half. It was like a three three game and like Cease was warming up. It's yeah. like, what is going yeah. on? I, I mean, this this isn't game one sixty two or this isn't a wild card game. Right. It's it's literally you know game. 64 you know right i mean it's kind of crazy that you're doing that right now but um you know even going back to what you said alex i mean they have a good team i mean i'm looking at the numbers cease a 314 era giolito a 388 Kopech a 192 and cueto i mean cueto was a guy that literally signed i think first couple a- weeks anyone, of the season anyone could have had cueto yeah. and a 353 right now and producing very very good numbers so far so i mean they definitely have the talent it just seems like again that they're captain of their ship is just kind of steering them in the wrong direction uh, from getting wins. And that's, of course, what's going to be the biggest, you know, factor in keeping your job. So, so that, that's, of course, the biggest, uh, I guess, the biggest take with my, with my you know, Tony, Tony Rulusa, you know, job status this season. Right. It seems like we're both kind of with a mindset that we see it as kind of inevitable unless something goes crazy right for them that Tony might be... Uh, <laughs> Might be, I was Tony and say, Joe's. I was gonna say he'll be looking for like on uh, on the unemployment like, like what do you call it like employment ads? But I think he's just gonna retire. <laughs> I think he's gonna be he's gonna, he's gonna wrap it up, call it a career. But I, I I've seen some good memes and it's it's uh managers on the uh, on the tablets and a lot of a lot of people on oh, Twitter are always yeah. saying like you know they're checking the the Indeed uh the oh Indeed, yeah the Indeed job status on I on, think that on, was like Madden and Angels pitching coach Matt Wise like they were looking at the tablet and someone's like they're on that's Indeed. what it was that's yeah. what it was that was great but yeah uh tough I mean I mean yeah I mean it's crazy because we got three teams that had such high potential and two of them have already made the aggressive moves to get rid of one of them and you know I think honestly it's just a waiting game and I feel like the White Sox you know I think you go into the season saying. If we don't even make the if we don't make the playoffs if we don't win the division that's that's a big blow if we don't make the playoffs 
that's even huger. If, if they don't make the playoffs and he somehow did, did not get fired, there's no way you can bring him back next oh, year. You just no, you just cannot no, do it. No, 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 exactly. The, the, the team is headed in such a good direction where Tim Anderson this year is playing like an all-star. Oh, yeah. Abreu's been solid. Uh, Moncada is a young star. Mm-hmm. Luis Robert is a really young superstar. Like, he's on that kind of trajectory. If Young you can Jake Berger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's tons of young names. Season, so. There's young names to like. And then Kopech, of course. The list goes on of young talent up-and-coming talent um and of course they paid big bucks for a, a big time closer on hendrix who you want to use in the postseason yep. but they got to get there first yep. so travis that wraps up the coaching talk i think for now uh probably a good time to switch over uh the all-star ballot opened up uh this last week and i've gotten to see so many different ballots from people online tons and tons of people's input Pe- yeah. people just kind of screenshot and post and it, I, it gives you kind of a good gauge of i guess what the people on Twitter are thinking, but in terms of what's actually going to happen in the votes, I'm very interested to see how it's going to unfold. Um, we don't, we don't do our ballots. Maybe, maybe when it's all-star weekend, we can do like, maybe talk about who we would oh, yeah. pick for those positions, but just some general stuff to start off. Um, there's going to be some interesting races. I think I want to talk about a few of them. Now, the first one we can talk about is the one that stood out to me first. And I don't know what they're going to do or how the voting is going to go for the third American League outfield spot. The two locks in most people's minds when you look at the, the voting, of course, Aaron Judge, who is probably the um, de facto AL MVP unless something drastically changes right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Mike Trout, who he honestly earns it just off reputation, but also has been one of the best hitters in baseball despite a slump. Those right in the middle of it, still the season numbers are MVP level. So those two feel like locks in outfield. The third spot can go a handful of ways, and there's still a few weeks here to kind of see how things kind of shift back and forth. It seemed like Taylor Ward had a really great chance. He is currently in a spot where he has spent some time on the injured list. He is supposed to be reinstated tomorrow on Tuesday, uh, so he'll probably be playing in the Dodger game by the time this is posted. Yeah. the goal was for him to be healthy from now till the all-star break. And if that's the case, there's a good chance he can kind of keep up the production and kind of prove his spot. But there's an argument to say he hasn't played the games. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, you might look at a guy like Springer, maybe a guy like Tucker. Even Buxton has been kind of hot and cold, missed some time too like Ward has. But Travis, give me your thoughts about that position. You don't have to make a definitive pick, but kind of break it down. And, and what do you see going on in the AL outfield there? Yeah, I, I saw a couple even some some ballots with uh, with no trout on them. And that was pretty uh, discouraging because I, I just, again, it, it's... You know what? Fans of the game that, you know, just now, don't know what they... Now that you mentioned that, and now that you mentioned that, because you, you mentioned that to me a second ago and I didn't it didn't click, but... I think I saw Ben Verlander's voting. And you know what? He, it he didn't been. vote for Trout. And this, you know what he did? It's because he wanted to put Jordan in the outfield. Mm-hmm. And then I think he used J.D. Mar- oh, no, he used Shohei at DH. Because uh. he wanted to get Shohei in no matter what because he's a Shohei guy. And I get that. Like, you want to get Shohei in because he deserves to be in every All-Star game if yep. he's pitching and hitting because it's something we never see. But um, Jordan was not even listed as an option for the outfield. He just did that. As like breaking the rules. That's the guy. That's the and then guy he sacrificed then, yeah. Trout for it, which it makes no sense because Trout has been more viable than Jordan or even though Jordan's probably one of the best hitters in baseball, like mm-hmm. in terms of you're playing center field and bringing all that defensive value and base running value, Trout is more viable than Jordan or Shoei so far this season. So 
Um, yeah, but please continue. But that was a great uh, point out by you that some people are, I guess, snubbing him and it, it's a total head scratch. It is. And, you know, again, like every single year they, they have that big argument. And of course, I saw a tweet today and they, they are saying, you know, this year it's it's Aaron Judge. Who's going to who's going to surpass Mike Trout as the best you know player in Major League Baseball? And of course, Judge is having a great season this year. But it's just one of those things. I think that when you're so good, you have to get uh, you have to start getting hated on, you know, but. Basically, when I see that third outfield spot, and I think the biggest two names I think I'm going to think of are Taylor Ward and Byron Buxton. Um, Ward right now, of course, you're right. The games, the at-bats, the plate appearances, very, very low. Same thing with Buxton as well. He has, uh, let's see, Ward has 38 games compared to Buxton's 45. Well, you know, most players are already in the 60s. But um, I think, you know, you make a very good case for both of them because right now Buxton with 17 i believe actually tonight he hit his 18th home run so now you're saying he has 18 home runs in 46 games um that is pretty incredible to think of right then and there that he's doing so so well in you know almost a home run every two games for byron buxton but then of course you look at ward you look at the percentage stats those are oh you know up there with you know some of the elite of the elites in the game right now you know an ops above a uh, a 1050 that's right they're going to be getting you an all-star now that's going to get you an mvp nod practically right there but um it'll be fun to see you know taylor ward comes back should be coming back tomorrow you guys will be hearing this of course tomorrow so it will be today but um you know i think right now um I will probably lean a little bit more towards Buxton. He was AL player of the week this week. He's kind of trending, I guess, into more of a, um, just more of a, you know, he's more of a hotter topic right now than Taylor Ward is. Taylor Ward, of course, can still make a big push. He'll need to make some loud noises, I think, the next couple of weeks. They play, of course, two in LA. So, of course, he has a good series against the Dodgers. That's going to get a lot of publicity going to Dodger Stadium and having a good series. And then they go to Seattle. So, he'll have to have a pretty big week. Of, uh, of of going back to his normal form of hitting. But um, right now, I will lead Buxton, I think, for that final spot. I think Buxton just becomes more of the more complete outfielder. But a couple, I think, honestly, a month back, Alex, I was saying, you know, Ward and Trout are your obvious one-two choices for the outfield. But, of course, injuries have kind of changed that. And I think that, you know, still there's a lot of people that don't know the name Taylor Ward. But it is nice to see, of course, there are a lot of ballots I've been seeing also on Twitter that show Taylor Ward as a third outfielder, which, you know, that's, of course, really cool to see that people are getting that kind of attention and national attention for Taylor Ward. But it's going to be it's going to come down to the wire with those guys. I think right now, Judge and Trout are pretty safe to say those guys should be your first two outfielders. But, you know, you mentioned Springer. There's a bunch of other names, too, that we can talk about that we're going to be you know in this discussion. Yeah, I think Springer's in a great spot. Honestly, if he has like a hot week here, he could definitely lock in a spot. Um, if you're going to kind of count him in for the games played aspect, he is up at, let me see, just to be sure, 55 games played. So uh, pretty close to uh, playing all his team games. Not mm-hmm. quite, but he's, you know, he's definitely flirting with being, you know, an everyday guy. Uh, a 146 OPS plus is a tad below where Buxton is at. Buxton's like around 150 something. But um, in terms of the games played differential, it allows Springer to have the higher war between the two guys. 12 homers for Springer. Um, I think overall, just a solid slash line. Uh, he's kind of really picked up where he left off in yep. Houston these first years in Toronto. So um, when he has been able to play, he's been great for them. So there's an argument for him. Tucker had a really slow start. He's picked it up in a big way, but I'm mm-hmm. not sure he's quite made it all the way around yet. Um, and what sucks, I think, about Tucker is he plays for Houston. And I know just nationally, he'll, that's just a good get, point. he'll get so much hate. And so that's a good even point. though... 
did nothing of <laughs> did nothing was, about 2016 or 17 he but, was in triple yeah. a when the trash cans were banging but he's still gonna get some blame yeah. i'm sure yeah but yeah, actually a one a one thirty nine OPS plus for for Tucker. He actually picked it up in such a big way. Mm-hmm. He's already up at three baseball reference war. That's mm-hmm. that's nuts. But um, I'm gonna keep on moving to actually, yeah, we'll we'll keep on moving. I was gonna bring up uh, actually I'll just bring this up since I already, I'm already talking about it. So you mentioned the whole Judge Trout thing, and we'll just kind of touch on this really quickly. Um, but there was a tweet that was going around, and. Everyone was kind of chiming in. It was just pretty much said next. Ten, I don't know. I don't know who started it, but they said they said next ten years, Trout or Judge, who would you take? It's a really weird topic because they're both like yeah. around their like around age thirty, and it's like next ten years. It's like it, it really feels like you should be saying next five or something. Yeah. But either way, um, a lot of people were kind of putting putting their different thoughts. And Cameron Maben, who obviously is a Yankees guy, um was a Yankee. I think he's in their booth now, but uh, he said, if you're asking me who would I want the next 10 years, I'll tell you right now, after being in the clubhouse with both guys, Trout is no doubt one of the most amazing players I've ever been with, but Aaron Judge is the guy that will lead the boys to the championship. No stat for leadership. And I think the whole idea of like picking the guy who's like a leader in baseball, it just seems so weird to me. It's like, how much value does... I mean, obviously, leadership is important and getting a clubhouse rallied up. Yeah. But when you're picking your superstar, I mean, there's 24 other spots you can pick to be the vocal leader. And I feel like Judge, I mean, I've never been in the clubhouse with them, but yeah. he's not like the most like loud, like, you know, emotional guy, at least from what I've seen, you know. It's definitely just kind of an interesting kind of take on that. And of course, Travis, uh, if you're comparing a Yankee to Mike Trout, Tons of people are going to be siding with the Yankee, obviously. Oh yeah. But any thoughts on that before we keep going? Yeah, it, it was it was you know it's it's every year it's an interesting argument. People of course said it about Juan Soto, said it about Mookie Betts, they said it about um, Yelich, and you know the, yeah the list goes on. I think Thompson. I think going yeah exactly the list I think went back to like 2013 and it basically was just Mike Trout versus who's the next guy up, and you know I of course I'm not trying to be biased but I'll of course lean Mike Trout. I think the reason why and I know he's been you know. The last couple of seasons, it's been uh, it's been, you know, injury bugs for him. But just looking at Judge, you know, we're very fortunate this year to have a so far healthy season. And again, really hope that he stays healthy the whole entire season. But you look past or before 2021, um, this is a guy that, you know, it, it was the biggest question mark if he could play 100 games or if he could play, you know, north of 50 percent of the season. That's the one thing about Judge that is the biggest and the scariest factor in, you know, Brian Cashman signed this guy to a long-term deal. Uh, will this guy be healthy for, of course, the you know ten years that I'm going to give him, or the eight years I'm going to give him? But um, I think Trout, of course, still, like I always say, consistently always going to give the numbers that you see that you know you you the numbers that you really care about. And so I, I, I of course, really like consistency, and Mike Trout is just the definition of that. Uh, you know, when you look at on base, when you look at slugging, when you look at OPS and OPS plus. He's going to be that kind of guy. So I, of course, um, really will, you know, argue that with a lot of people. But, I mean, Judge, of course, is having a crazy season. And Judge, honestly, is the kind of guy that will probably age really well when it comes to hitting home runs. Um, I could see him at age 40 still, you know, mashing 40 home runs out of the ballpark. Could be a little bit less athletic, um, you know, care more about the slugging percentage. It'll be really interesting to see how he kind of winds up with his career. But uh, Trout is the kind of guy that you have, you know, once every 50 years, Alex, I mean, you, you go back, the biggest comparison with him is Mickey Mantle. And we don't have too many ball players in, you know, today's game or in, you know, Major League Baseball that can do 
everything that he does. So I'll, of course, pick Mike Trout as the most complete player uh, right now in the game. And, of course, you know, going for the past 10 years, he is, uh, you know, the guy I probably want to stick with for the next 10 years, too. Yeah, I think I've always been, I mean, we agree. I think I've always been on the stance that, like, expecting expecting a winning record and expecting, you know, playoff berths and yeah. World Series rings uh, on a single player's legacy is just not how baseball works at all. I think some people disagree, and if you disagree, I think you're wrong, but that's yep. okay. That's okay. Yep. Um, and also, you look at that. I mean, Aaron Judge's team is down to spend, uh, you know, over $300 million on a starting pitcher where, you know, Angels, yeah. Angels general manager Judge, in front office Judge's team doesn't want to do that. So outbid Trout's team on the ace uh, after the 2019 season. So um, that's a good advice. That's a great point because it just kind of shows that uh, Mike Trout can say whatever he wants to Garrett Cole, but he can't offer him, you know, 300 yeah, million exactly. to come to his team. So uh, long story short, um, I thought it was worth bringing up since you brought up the whole mm-hmm. uh, the, the the obvious one two punch in the AL outfield so far. But we'll keep moving on on the All Star stuff. Um, a couple other spots I kind of want to highlight or just kind of briefly discuss. I think there's an interesting conversation for the American League shortstop as well as the NL shortstop. We'll start with the American League, I guess. I feel like the choices that come to my mind are Tim Anderson. And of course, Pena on the Astros, mm-hmm. a rookie could start the all-star game. That'd be pretty special. But um, any thoughts on how you'd go with the AL shortstop? I know I'm just kind of throwing at this, throwing this at you for the first time, but um, it's an interesting case. It's an yeah, interesting case for sure. It really is. And I mean, that's why I'm going with Andrew Velasquez. Um, okay. Squid. <laughs> squid. Uh, you know, looking at the numbers too, because I mean, even MLB has a great kind of, you know, visualization of the numbers for the players. I, I a hundred percent am going to go Tim Anderson. Uh, okay. I think he definitely deserves to be the starting, you know, shortstop right now, you know, a three fifty six average, uh, almost a 900 OPS. One guy that's really honestly, you know, coming in close to, I think, having a good chance at, of course, Pena and Anderson, but that's Xander Bogarts. Um, sure. He, of course, was just a hot, hot topic a month ago on the trade market because Red Sox were sinking. Bogarts, of course, was doing very well. A lot of teams could need a very high-performing, high-offensive-performing shortstop in Bogarts. But right now, of course, he is another guy that's going to be on my radar for uh, you know getting a lot of votes being a Boston guy compared to a guy, of course, from Houston, and then a guy from Chicago that's not doing very well. Bogarts could be a guy that gets a lot of votes. But I think right now I'm pretty strong in leaning that Tim Anderson uh, would be my guy for uh, for the AL All-Star team right now. Yeah. But I, no no shame in Pena because, I mean, again, I think, <laughs> we said a couple uh, weeks back, I mean, you told me that you're going to get this kind of production when you lost a guy like Correa. I mean, it's you got to be kidding me. So, Yeah, and, and it's, it's funny because... Um, I actually saw a tweet and it said, how much do you factor in defense to your all-star game ballot? And I thought that was really funny because I never really thought about that. Like how much do I care about defense? Because on that little, on that little, uh, stat sheet, they give you under every player's name, a little stat line of like their average, their home runs, their RBIs, their OPS. Nothing about war. (laughs) It does not, it doesn't talk about war. It doesn't talk about defense in any way. Um, and it's just kind of interesting because we know that Tim Anderson, one of the, I guess, the, the downsides of his game is possibly the defense not being amazing. Um, Felix or Felix, Felix Pena is someone else, but uh, <laughs> Pena and the Astros has definitely been so far defensively solid. At least that's what his WAR has indicated because he, I think, he leads AL shortstops in WAR. But 
overall, Travis, I think it should be a fun discussion. I think you're right. I think Tim Anderson is probably how the public is leaning right now, especially because the Astros Association that you brought up earlier, it's going to just be a little bit of a tax on every Astros player. I do think second base probably goes to Altuve despite all this, all the hate and stuff because mm-hmm. who else are you going to vote for? I feel like yep. I think it's kind of his spot. Um, I think he's just been by far the best AL second baseman thus far. I also want to talk about shortstop in the National League. There's a. Do you have the the ballot in front of you? I do. I'm yeah. actually. I forget. Was Tommy Edmond listed as a second baseman or a shortstop? He is a shortstop, and that was okay. a great thing I wanted to bring up because it just kind of sucks that he transitioned now to the shortstop role in a shortstop heavy market that we're in right now. That, I wanted to talk about NL yep. shortstop next mm-hmm. because it is because mm-hmm. second base he was like I mean oh the, he, him and Jazz were you know easy one two yep um I think I was leaning Edmond but you know Jazz was, had a great start to the season as well. But Edmund has been super special, switches over to shortstop, and it's going to be kind of a stacked uh, lineup over there. I want to break it down, who's like the options there? Yeah, I mean, right now, of course, the biggest name that has no stats, Tatis Jr. Um, if I, if I, he I, started and didn't play a single game, that'd be just ludicrous. I, and, I'm, and I'm really curious to see, I don't know what his uh, update is on the IL, but you know, I, I heard that he was supposed to come back in June. So I, I heard one thing today, and I guess he got a scan today, okay. and they don't have the result yet. But the team, they said they brought his bats to the road trip or wherever they're going. So I guess it's a tiniest bit of a positive sign for the, for the fans. But they yeah. bring his bats. That's great. But I, you know, and honestly, you really wonder what if you have one month of Tatis Jr. and he just has like, you know, nine home runs by yeah. the All Star break and people are like, you know what? Screw it. Let's give it to him. But, you know, the biggest names, of course, are going to be Trey Turner, the Dodgers, Dansby Swanson, who's had, I mean, I think the last month, Alex, he has been on a tear. Uh, for Atlanta so Swanson for the Braves uh, Lindor of course for the Mets for how well they're doing Um, and then you of course go up the list to you know Brandon Crawford is a guy that was very good last year having somewhat of a drop off of course this year going back to kind of his pre-2021 self Um, and then of course Tommy Edmond who is going to be a guy that honestly will not be starting I honestly probably will not be starting the shortstop role in the all-star game just because he got moved to that position um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I think, again, he was going to be a guarantee at the second base spot for the National League. But it kind of sucks that moving positions is going to hurt your case. But I think the biggest names are going to be Lindor, Swanson and Trey Turner. And if I had to pick one of those guys, Alex, I'll probably lean Trey Turner. Um, guy, of course, has the best average out of the three. He actually has the least amount of home runs, but has the most ribbies and the best uh, OPS right now. Actually, no, Swanson has one point higher of an OPS, but I think Trey Turner, of course, will win the popularity vote playing in LA, All-Star Games in LA. I think it's pretty safe to say he will most likely be the starting shortstop, but of course, Swanson, Lindor, even Tatis could have you know a crazy next 30 games or so, but um, I'll probably lean Trey Turner as my guy for, uh, for the National League shortstop. Okay, so... I'm glad that we disagree here. Yep. <laughs> um, we have something to talk about. I think that you, I mean, it just, it just I'm not sure how the fans are going to vote, obviously. Um, the fans get things wrong all the time. Mm-hmm. So maybe it goes to any of the guys you mentioned. It could be anybody. I really think it's going to be Tommy Edmund. I think I, okay. know, I know he switched positions. I think he's just been too good to, he's too good not to start on the NL team. Mm-hmm. I, I, that's my opinion. Okay. Maybe they can just, I don't know how they could change it. They probably can't change it. I think he's just going to start for shortstops. Yeah. Unless maybe, I don't know if Atlanta shows up and gives Swanson a tons of votes or the Dodgers, if they give Trey Turner tons of votes, the Mets too. Big fan bases. Yeah. Might, but the Cardinals are pretty big too. And I think Edmund Travis, I think right now he leads MLB 
in uh, Baseball Reference War mm-hmm. at 3.7, which is it's, it's monstrous. Like, who thought Edmund would have more war than Judge if you just didn't look at the numbers yep. so far? Yep. Obviously, a lot of voters are not looking at war, but it just yep. kind of goes to show he has had a really valuable season so far. Um, like I said, 3.7 war, a 125 OPS plus, so a really solid bat that's better than guys like Lindor. Um, and then I'm looking at some of his other numbers. 15 steals leads the National League, actually up at six homers, which um, he's on pace to kind of smash his career high, which was at 11. Um, I think he's just doing it all for that team. And in, uh, in, as a big reason why St. Louis, I think, yep. is, is in a good spot right now. I actually saved this tweet, and it says that Tommy Edmond, this was as of five days ago, so maybe it's outdated, but I think it's probably still about accurate. It says he has... Uh, higher max exit velocity than Manny Machado this season. So wow. the hardest hit ball between the two of them, advantage goes to uh, Tommy Edmond. More stolen bases than Trey Turner. More outs above average than Javier Baez. Higher WRC plus than Luis Robert. More Fangraphs war than Bryce Harper. He's just kind of doing better than yeah. a lot of these guys at their signature kind of things. It's just kind of an interesting tweet that I saw. It really kind of showed how Edmund has been a jack of all trades. And I think that he's been, uh, he's handled the switch to shortstop great. I think that the Cardinals, um, I think, I, I don't know. I, the the one thing that m- gives me a slight pause is how big the fan bases are. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people could vote for Trey Turner, could vote mm-hmm. for Lindor, could vote for uh, Dansby Swanson. But mm-hmm. I think in my mind, if I had to pick one and I was trying to win the game, I would pick Edmund for sure. Th- no, th- that's, no. that's my opinion. But yeah, and, and, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, the numbers you read off, you're not wrong. I mean, I, like I said, I, I think it's, it, it sucks that he had to move spots just because the shortstop spot is going to be a very, it, it's a very tough road to get the starting nod at the shortstop spot. Um, and like you said, Lindor, New York market, Trey Turner, Los Angeles market, um, and even, you know, I, I honestly just Tatis has a national market. I'm not saying Tatis really, I don't think has a shot right now, but I'm just saying if for some reason he were to yeah. just go off, things can weeks, change really fast. If he uses a crazy month. Exactly. Yeah. And then of course, Swanson world series champion last year. A lot of people know him, uh, in the game just from watching the playoffs last year. But, um, those are three guys that I just see having the best shot. And then of course, Tommy Edmond, I mean, I guarantee if you ask so many of these average fans, Alex, they'd probably say, you know, who who's Tommy Edmond and, you know, what what's war, you know, and, you know, You're right. what's all this kind of stuff. But I mean, it's a great, great argument to bring up because of basically what he's been doing this season. I mean, he has been a uh, just a one man wrecking crew and just I mean, just very under the radar of what he's been able to accomplish this year. And how basically to elevate that Cardinals, you know, offense into one of the best in Major League Baseball. Right now, Alex, Cardinals are first place in the National League Central. So they have elevated themselves past Milwaukee. Um, I guess for me, I'm looking and thinking more about the, uh, you know, who, of course, is really impressing me, but also who, of course, I think has the best shot. Those three, I think, have a best shot, sadly, just because, like you said, fan bases are um, a lot more deeper than uh, Tommy Edmond. And I just feel like, I mean... Again, you ask a common fan who's Tommy Edmond, they're not gonna, they're not really gonna know anything about him. And you know what's kind of funny is I'm looking at some of these, um, you know, these stats for uh, you know the American League and the National League, and they give average, they give home runs, RBIs, and OPS. But one of the funniest things is they don't give, um, you know, plate appearances. They don't give you, you know, they don't give you how many games you've played. It's funny because looking at DD Gregorius, he's batting three thirteen. He has the best average out of all the shortstops, but. Right. He's games. only played what, like 20 or 30 games or something like that in the season. Edmund's been a real 
everyday kind exactly. of guy I know. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Zero home runs, of course, for Didi, so that's going to hurt his status a lot. But I'm just looking at this, and I was thinking, holy crap, like, Didi has three hundred has a 313 average. But then I thought to yeah. myself, wait, that doesn't – no, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. But It's qualified. Um, and and it, it, it's going to – I honestly, I think it's just going to – again, you have to come down for the next couple of weeks. Those three guys, like I said, Lindor, Swanson, and Trey Turner, I just feel like it's going to have just a huge bias. I mean, we saw last year with the all-MLB team. I mean – Oh, Austin, yeah. Austin Riley. I, I, you're going to get guys this year, of course, and we're going to have good conversations come uh, early July where it's just going to be like it's kind of like what we saw, talked about last year where, you know, the first base pick where it, it wasn't down to you had to pick the last three. And it was like Olsen wasn't even on the list or, oh, you're or Jerry right. Walsh wasn't even on the list. And it's kind of just like they went with. Yeah, you're right. Jose Abreu. And it it's, was it, Jose it, it Abreu just, it's absurd, and so. Gurriel and, and Guerrero Jr. Yeah. So it was like Gurriel who like was solid at the start, but probably comparable to Walsh and oh, yeah. Olsen. And then, yeah, having Abreu just thrown in there. It was just, it's all about voting, like you said. So exactly. who maybe, knows how the fans are going to pick. And maybe they'll remember, uh, LA will remember Edmund from last year. I think he had like two doubles and two stolen bases in the wild card game. Uh, he, he went off. And, yeah, he, uh, he's definitely becoming more of a household name, even though I agree that those other guys are are a mile ahead of him in terms is, of the notoriety amongst like the common fan. Yes, uh, and, so, and especially I'll point out one more thing, yeah. especially with Lindor being you know what the top ten power hitters or power ranking hitters of <laughs> Major League Baseball. Yeah. I mean, MLB that, writers. Like I, I mean, you have the average fan that follows MLB on Instagram or Twitter, and they see Lindor's name, they're gonna be like, "Oh my God, he's back!" I guarantee if you he's gave back, someone, yeah. if you gave someone a you know make your all MLB team right now. There is probably a clear consensus. Thirty to forty percent of people are saying Lindor is the best shortstop in the game right now. When, of course, you know, me and you would be, of course, looking at different, you know, a different aspect. But Lindor, of course, having a much better season than last year. But um, you know, not the Lindor of you know 2017, 2018, where on, on the Indians, where you know it was just kind of you know you're expecting thirty-five to forty home runs and you know, Ozzie Smith defense. So. Right. Um, it, it, it's interesting that we kind of brought that discussion up. It's a very interesting, uh, interesting take in the shortstop market. Yeah, I'm excited to see how the voting shapes up. But uh, yeah, like you said, the fans they vote how they vote, and we'll have to wait and see. So I'll ask you one question. Go ahead. Um, Shoot. Uh, American League third baseman Devers, Jose Ooh. Ramirez. That's going to come down to. That's going to come down to some very, you know, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a two horse race. You have Jose Ramirez with a 10.30 OPS. You have Devers with a 978, but Devers has a higher baseball reference war right now than Jose Ramirez and a ba- basically a clear cut advantage on the average. But of course, Jose Ramirez on the home runs and the RBIs is a lot stronger than Devers. But I mean, that's going to be a tough one. I, of course, I'm going to probably point t- towards Jose Ramirez, but um, it'll come down to a lot of. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that'll be an interesting one. Yeah, I'll just say for me, it's not hard. Yep. Uh, I think the vote probably goes to Devers if I had to pick just because there's mm-hmm. this Boston storyline. They've really kind of come on strong in the last month after being a really, really looking like a lost team in the first month. Um, and Devers is by far the man on the team at this point, I think. It used to be like, oh, kind of him and Bogarts and JD. I think right now it's his team. It feels that way at least. He's the guy who I want to yep. face the least. He's not, I mean, he's the guy I'm most scared of when we're facing Boston. Um, there's a lot of reason why he's getting all the buzz for the team. But I think it's Jose Ramirez yeah. for sure. For yeah. me, I think that the bat is probably equivalent or at least comparable. Uh, and everything else Jose does, I think it is mm-hmm. better. Mm-hmm. That the base running, the defense, it's all better. Devers, um, you know, I think he booted a couple balls when the, they were playing the Angels in Anaheim just a week ago. So yeah. um, 
it's kind of funny like i mentioned earlier how much do you factor in defense to all-star voting it really comes down to who i think is the better player yeah and i think that jose um if 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 i had to vote today that's kind of a tough question because yeah. i it's weird if, if there was an mvp vote today especially after that stat i shared you, well, you, uh, you, first start of the episode yeah you just know the vote's going to go to judge but if i had a, a vote of my own and i wanted to vote for who i think it should go to mm-hmm. i might vote for jose it's hard i have to like look yeah. and really d- dive into trout's numbers and of course yeah. judge who's like the runaway favorite look at his numbers for me, Devers is probably like fourth or fifth in that conversation, whereas I think I have Jose in probably the top three. I could be forgetting someone right now too, you know, for all I, I can I can think. Of course, Otani will get votes just for being Otani, yeah, but yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it, you're right. Third base AL could be very fun, as well as NL third base. Yeah. Of course, I think Arenado has kind of slipped a bit, but he still gets so much credit with the fans. He is a fan favorite through and through. Oh, yeah. His web gems, Travis, I saw you like uh, shared one on Twitter or something, and it was like a really crazy throw from a bunt from the to get the mound. force out at third base. <laughs> yeah, like the, he, the those plays just go so viral. He's, I think he's, he might be like the most like everybody loves me kind of player. Oh yeah. Oh, and yeah. so with that in mind, Machado is one of the guys who almost so many teams hate him mm-hmm. that yeah. I could see Arenado getting the spot over Machado, and I would heavily disagree in terms of their production. And I would too. But, but I could see it happening. Yeah. It's it's kind of as, as crazy as that sounds. No, I, exactly. The third base is not quite a lock for Machado quite yet, even though the numbers have been better from him. Exactly. And of course you still have the guy that, you know, I, I, I don't like hating on him, but of course, just from last year, Austin Riley, you know, yeah. he, he is still lingering. He has an 845 OPS, 16 homers, 35 RBIs. So he's he, been, he's been very solid. He's been very good. He has, and he has more home runs than Arenado and more home runs than uh, Manny Machado. But I think that those two guys, of course, have been, uh, you know, better all around, but, um yeah i I mean it's gonna be fun to kind of pick these teams i haven't done my uh my ballot or you know my picks just yet um probably in a couple weeks or in a week i'll probably do it i think i I don't know how many votes you get do you do by chance you like five a day five oh okay all right i should be doing more yeah yeah yeah. and push uh, push the taylor ward agenda travis we need need more votes exactly exactly i I don't know there's gonna be one guy um i I think honestly going to short back to shortstop i'm I'm really wondering if isaiah kind of falefa is kind of more of a gaff gets you know Oh, fifth just, place in voting just, just because a Yankee, you're saying exactly oh. just to be a Yankee and just to say oh yeah we want to get Isaiah in there and so um you know I I love those I love those how, how like you know the team's like PR page or they'll send out like emails like get angels in to the all-star game and you know it's like get Kurt Suzuki in and I'm just like you have got to be kidding me like <laughs> yeah. that is the last person I want to see in the all-star game right now but I think last year he got what like third place or top five in voting for catchers. It was something I think the Angel fans just trolled their way to getting them into like a top five spot for AL catchers. But so I'm looking to see who does it this year. But (laughs) I like what you said about Kenneth Falefa on the Yankees, because I think tons of Yankees. I mean, I think almost every position Yankees have a finalist. Rizzo will be a finalist. Jose Trevino will be a finalist. Glaber probably becomes a finalist. He's specially picked up recently. Um, And I think the list just goes on. I think outfield, um gallo won't be yeah uh but judge will be standing for dh probably will be um actually maybe not maybe show i mean not stand probably it's, it's gonna be tough i i think i think it goes between i honestly i mean i think your don your or jd and me. jd are yep. the top two and then the third 
Is there more Otani fans in America or more Yankee fans? That's an interesting question. Probably more Otani fans. Probably more, yeah, Otani. But know. Yankees yeah. are such a big brand, you know? Yeah. And you can get Otani as a pitcher or just by the coach's pick or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. anyways, there's a lot of ways it could, it could shape up. But definitely um, a lot of fun positions to kind of analyze in our kind of way too early discussion oh, yeah. on yeah. this and, stuff. And Alex, I'll, one more position. Sure. I just, I'm looking at this sure. right now and it's it kind of is blowing my mind because I didn't realize that he was a first baseman or at least was playing first base. But right now, um, Luis Arias from yeah. the Minnesota Twins. I think he has one of the craziest, you know, batting averages so far. He's batting 362. He has the best average and the best on base, I believe, in Major League Baseball right now. He has the two stat lines. Um, I, I believe when I checked yesterday, or they, they they announced it yesterday that Luis Arias was just going off so well. Only three home runs. So just basically a contact on base kind of guy. They have him down as an American League first baseman. Yes. So... It's going to be interesting because, you know, his competition, Jose Abreu, his competition is going to be Ty France, who Ty France right now, if you look at the numbers, 325, nine homers and an 891 OPS. That looks really well compared like to numbers, yeah. the next guy, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., which I think should be the American League first baseman. It will be very interesting because his average has been not where it's used to being. It's pretty much his rookie of the year average and his OPS is down so much than it was in years past. But um this will be another interesting kind of race because Arias, you know, just looking at some of the OPS numbers, he's got some of the best OPS numbers as a first baseman for the American League. And then, of course, you look at the average, it's one of the best in the American League. So um, he's another, I mean, that'll be another position that's going to be kind of interesting if you look at just basically the stats or do you look at the popularity guy or do you look at a guy like Ty France who had, you know, a killer April and so far has been putting together a very good first half of baseball. So uh, that's another race that will be interesting to be looking at. You're right. It's a good name to mention. I do think, for me, I'm heavily leaning France there. I think mm -hmm. he's been the most special AL first baseman so far this season in terms of the complete game. Yeah. I think Arise has really uh, questionable defense. Um, I'm not 100% mm -hmm. on the, the stats behind that. But, um, yeah, his average and on base, like you mentioned, have been absolutely elite. Um, and he's just been a really solid contact bat for them. Um, yep. And also has a good eye at the plate. The, the power is not phenomenal, but he actually did hit a tank of Cole just a few nights ago mm -hmm. on a game that some of the Yankees, of course, came back down 7-0 like they always do against the Twins. Uh, I feel so bad for their fans. But <laughs> but yeah, uh, the, uh, you could, Chavis, we could really go position by position, but oh, we we'll, could. We'll, we'll just kind of spare it for now. It's kind of interesting. I'm looking at the leaderboards. Juan Soto leads the NL in games played right now. He leads MLB in games played. And I don't think he's going to make it. Yeah. I think there's too many other NL uh, options. I mean, for Mookie outfield. Betts is, is, I mean, Betts is a complete lock. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, you could just go position by position and yeah. kind of pick guys who've had better starts to the year than Soto. But yeah. um, we'll see how the fans uh, decide to go uh, on the, on all those spots. And we'll continue to cover that as kind of time passes as we get closer and closer to the Midsummer Classic. But Travis, probably good to move on now. Um, and when I say move on, we're staying on a guy who we've been talking about a lot uh, so far this season. But I wanted to do a quick note on Aaron Judge's subtle position change that no one's really talking about. But over the last few weeks, Travis, he is a center fielder. And I feel like people, trout. people are really not, uh, they're just not discussing it, I guess. And I just bring this bring this up to kind of say, um, we were saying they should do this last year. Going into the playoffs, I remember, Travis, they were, like, benching Voight, mm -hmm. uh, who was a good bat last year. has been not as good this year, but they were, like, benching Voight to play Rizzo at first, and they had Stanton DHing, so they couldn't use Voight there. And we were like, just use 
just use Stanton and left and Gallo and right and Judge in the center, but they mm-hmm. just wouldn't do that. They wanted Gardner in center with Gallo and left, mm-hmm. Owen 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 left, is going to be overall very beneficial i think gallo rates much better defensively as a right fielder so you can have him there judge and center and then left can kind of cycle between um whoever you're thinking about dhing or platooning for that day i know andrew Hart was there for a bit um but you can cycle through guys i know hicks gets time there but i think overall travis um it's a very interesting development that i think we probably would not have predicted before that season starts but he might you know he might be a center fielder by the end of the season what, what are yeah. your thoughts on that yeah, I mean, honestly, you brought it up from last year. Um, Gardner's bat just was awful, yeah. and you're kind of wasting that uh, that play appearances in the lineup on you know a guy that you're hoping to have just you know strong, really good defense when you know Judge can probably play the same um, defense as Gardner in center field. So, I mean, if it's going to be able to help them get all those guys in the lineup, I mean, man, that just makes them so much more deeper in that starting nine. Uh, that, that that will be pretty insane to look at. Um, and, and one thing, I mean, you hit the ball to right field, right center. Um, I don't think anyone's going to be getting a triple this year at Yankee Stadium with those guys playing with those arms. Oh. I mean, imagine Judge and Gallo with those yeah. arms coming at you. I mean, that's going to be pretty crazy to uh, to look at. So uh, it's a really good idea. And, you know, you, you pointed it out. I mean, it, it, it's really honestly a uh, just kind of a, a subject that, I mean, it's kind of crazy. It wasn't discussed, you know, sooner, right. you know, and so. Uh, putting Judge in center and then putting those guys all around him, um, and, and you know Stan doesn't play awful defense. He plays pretty good defense. Yeah, for if you made him what he's every, able to do. If you made him your everyday left fielder, it would allow you to get more because they're in this other situation where Donaldson's playing third, but so is Lemayhew, mm-hmm. and Lemayhew's playing second, but so is Glaber, yep. and then <laughs> kind of Falefa's your shortstop because for defensive reasons, yep. and then. Uh, it kind of makes there an ottoman out in the infield. Like, are we going to bench Glaber? No, we're yep. going to bench Donaldson. We don't really want to. Yep um so lemayhu has been solid we're not gonna bench him uh very smart decision i would say so it makes sense to kind of uh keep that more fluid keep the more openings with judge and center just to be precise on my numbering here the last 13 games uh judge has played center in 12 of them only one game in right field um so it's almost seemed like a, like a like a just a complete swap over to that position so uh, I'm interested to see if he keeps uh, staying at that spot. I do think that they found something good here, and it's going to be the mindset of if it ain't broke, don't fix it because mm-hmm. they've just been so, so good um, as of late the Yankees have. But just wanted to touch on that real quick. Can probably keep moving on here. Travis, uh, Blue Jays prospect Gabriel Moreno, I want to just bring him up really quick. I saw a really interesting tweet about him, but he was the top prospect in the Blue Jays organization. He was, I think, the number four prospect in all of baseball mm-hmm. by MLB's rankings. Top five. But he uh, just finally had his debut, and some of his stats from his first uh, games were really kind of uh, mind-blowing for a catcher. So he had a, a 1.83 second pop time, which was the eighth best in all of baseball this year. On his on his like first time trying to catch someone stealing, he was 98th percentile. He was top, you know, the top of the top in terms of how good his pop time was. So he's obviously a very athletic guy behind the plate. And then also he had a 29.7 uh, sprint speed. I think that's feet per second um, on his uh, run to first base. So it just goes to show that this 
that that is nearly elite speed. That is nearly uh, the levels of the fastest guys in baseball. He's going to be, you know, top percentile there as well. So coming from Romeo Joe. I, I think he's I think he's faster than yeah. JT. It's really it's really crazy. It's yeah. um, and I think he's six two. It's like who is this guy? Oh, no, sorry, I, I don't have his height here, but that, that's someone else. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it, it's really nuts how he five uh, eleven. Okay, and we'll take that. That's, that's <laughs> nice behind the plate. Exactly. Um, but it's really crazy, Travis, how he um has kind of I don't even say he's burst on the scene yet because I think there's not that much buzz around him quite yeah. yet. He'll have to break out still. Um in a bigger way but just seeing some of those initial stats of how athletic he is behind the plate we know the bat will probably come around as it does with most prospects um i think he could be a special player um any thoughts on him i know you mentioned to me um trading jansen might get them some value too so yeah any thoughts on that yeah i mean right now and you know even kind of going back to the all-star ballot you know their uh their catcher right now alejandro kirk uh he looks like he could be leading the way for you know catchers in the american league so Having Moreno and Kirk for the future, um, that's something that's going to be very promising for the uh, Blue Jays. And then, of course, you look at Jansen as a, you know, a, honestly, a, a pretty valuable catcher, I would say. He's had some pretty good seasons as a, uh, you know, he could be now becoming a good trade piece, um, possibly even by this trade deadline. Who knows? But um, impressive, like you said, pop time and, of course, the speed. Uh that is something that you, I think, I mean, you definitely look at as a, you know, a scout or a GM as, you know, a catcher with this good of speed. Um, that's just going to create your lineup to be even more deadly in so many more ways. You now have the ability to, you know, possibly even like push bunts or lay bunts down. Um, you know, when is the last time you've seen catchers actively stealing on the base pass? He right. could be a guy that's going out there to, to steal a couple bags. Um, I probably, probably wouldn't happen just because he's a catcher. You don't want to just have stupid stealing injuries for a catcher, but um, that's pretty impressive to see that the, the pop time and then, of course, you know, home to first base, that sprint speed. Um, that's up there with, honestly, probably some of the best, uh, you know, sprint speed, at, you know, with center fielders or shortstops, but he's a right. catcher. So right. re really impressive. Yeah. Uh, I'll keep moving on here. Uh, Matt Carpenter, Travis, we have to mention him at some point here. He's not going to go away, it seems. He's been in the headlines nonstop since joining the Yankees. The legendary uh, AAA prospect for the texas rangers couple he, months back yeah. he was sitting rotting in texas triple a i'm not sure what his numbers were down there but if they had just called him up and they got this explosion we'd be pretty upset as angel fans oh, having yeah. to play that team in our division but travis matt carpenter has uh is the first players in yankee history one of the most legendary teams with legendary names one the first player in yankees history with six over six home runs six or more home runs in their first 10 games with a team with that team so it's absolutely yeah. crazy how hot he started with the team it, it was all power there's not many singles happening i think even still to this day i think he has like one or two singles like one double and then like six homers but um eight hits six home runs uh yeah your th <laughs> your thoughts on that start and what he's meant to that team is just another option for them yeah and i know um single-handedly you know watching him play against the angels he pretty much punished us almost every game so um you know, it, it, it's interesting the way that the Yankees could do with Matt Carpenter. I mean, he, I think he'll definitely, of course, cool down. Um, you can't expect these kind of numbers for the full season. Um, a slugging above a 1.1. You can't see that for the whole entire year. But, uh, I mean, I, I, just finding a diamond in the rough, basically, is, is, is what Matt Carpenter has done. A guy that his career seemed to be over last year with the Cardinals just was completely lost at the plate. I mean, you look at his batting line, it's... It's it's not good at all. I mean, it's 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 almost Cody Bellinger esque, but um, 
goes to the Yankees. And I mean, we've seen 10 games of him just going absolutely crazy. So one thing that kind of piques my interest is, is this guy become almost like a trade bait? I mean, hmm. I, I, I mean, honestly, the Yankees don't need too many pieces, but of course, every World Series champion you look at always needs an extra piece at the at the trade deadline. So uh, does Matt Carpenter become a guy that you trade? But I don't really know who'd want him on a team that's not doing very well because he's just he's an older guy that, you know, you can't really expect these numbers, you know, for the next couple of seasons. It feels like he's a win this year player, which is why. Very true. In my mind, almost. I don't know how long this will last. This power surge. Maybe it dies down. Maybe they hope it kicks back up at the right time. Yeah. But almost. Almost like last year, Red Sox Schwarber in my mind. Like mm-hmm. he's someone who a lefty bat put him at the top of the order in front of Judge or something like that. See what he can do to kind of start the game off. Pitchers are going to fear him, of course, if he is hot at that time. So overall, um, somehow the Yankees, who were already a first place team, yeah. find the diamond in the rough by acquiring a third Triple uh, A'er, um, <laughs> who of course is an MLB veteran, but yeah. just. Uh, breaks out again uh for like a late career kind of encore with new york but it, it, it almost feels like he's doing this like in the postseason where certain guys just unexpected heroes go off and right. and it's almost like he's the eddie rosario right now of june yes. um he's just going off in a huge huge way um it'll be again like i said interesting to see in one month when you, when you say matt carpenter um what what you kind of think of or, or what he's been able to do um I, I, again i think the numbers of course will of course die down but i mean Talk about one of the greatest additions of the season so far by the Yankees. Um, getting a guy for probably, I mean, pennies on the dollar practically, and he's already been able to win you uh, a handful of games and power you through, uh, you know, tons and tons of different starting staffs you had to face. He's already got a .8 war in 10 games, Alex. I mean, that's that's, nuts. that's just pretty nuts for a guy that really is not focused on defense. He's more focused on the offense, and he's been able to, uh, you know, help the Yankees get in front of a lot of games in the first inning. I mean, especially with playing with the Angels. I think he had back-to-back games, Alex, with with first inning home runs. And, I mean, it's kind of just like what better way to start the game off with a lead. So, um, I mean, crazy, crazy start to June for Matt Carpenter so far. Yeah, completely agree. Um, Moving on now. uh, One thing that was interesting to me, Travis, is – some of the big streaks that are going on in MLB in terms of teams winning and losing. Of course, the Angels streak finally came to an end, but there's tons of other streaks um, going on. The Brewers are amidst a massive losing skid that I feel like was not really covered by the national media so much. Um, maybe as a, if it get, if it continues to get longer, I'm not sure if they if they played today or if they won. But as of Sunday, um, I forget if it was like nine or ten straight. Um, and so they were someone who was on a big losing skin, helped the Cardinals take over the, the number one spot in that division. And then both the Braves and the Phillies, like we mentioned at the top of the episode, huge winning streaks um, going for them. Braves had the unfortunate news just today. I guess Ozzy Albies had a fracture in his foot or something like yeah, that. Yeah, fracture, I think, left foot. Going to yeah. miss time, of course. Not sure how long, but... Um, and they just won today too. They won a couple minutes ago, 12 straight for them now. So, wow. So, it, I mean, but still, despite Albies being out, so much depth and talent on the Braves that when they're clicking, when Swanson's playing this good, when Olsen is Olsen, you know, um, two headed monster right now. I think the, both the rotation has been all about Kyle Wright and Max Freed. Um, and then, of course, uh, everyone else, if they get hot at the right time, I think Duval had a, a two home run night recently, but. Mm-hmm. Um, when everyone's right at the same time, 
a winning streak occurs. And, you know, it really feels like we saw in the last week or so from these streaks, these division races kind of shifted in a big way. So I guess what stands out about those teams or what do you think is the most, we'll say this, what streak you think is the most legit of those three? Brewers losing streak, Phillies, Braves winning streaks. Like which one do you think is going to stick and kind of be like a real playoff affecting moment for these teams? Yeah, I, I definitely think the Braves. Um, I think that they really need this. I mean, it's almost like we're seeing them of last year where they kind of kick things into gear and become, you know, America's hottest team at, um, I, I shouldn't say America's hottest team at the right time, but just America's hottest team at a certain point in the season. Um, they're doing it, of course, sooner than they did last year. They were more of an August, September team. Now, of course, they're going into uh, June, you know, with with great start so far. So uh, right now, Atlanta, they got to be feeling pretty good. I think a couple weeks back, Alex, we we're looking at Atlanta. They were nine or 10 games back right now. They're five and a half games back of the division. I'm not saying they're going to be winning the division, you know, right now they're going to go for that, but um, they've really helped themselves out in, you know, making a very strong push to becoming oh, yeah. a six seed. Uh, we were looking at it and it looked like Mets were going to clearly win the division. Um, and then of course you had the central, it looked like it was Cardinals Brewers for the taking. And then you had, of course, Dodgers and Padres. And then it was basically giants ready to just kind of take over and win that sixth spot. But right now, Atlanta's putting a lot of pressure on, of course, Padres and Giants for probably that sixth spot um, in a, in you know in the playoffs. But um, I think, of course, Milwaukee will snap it. They're only a half game out right now, and they actually won. I think it was yesterday, so they snapped the losing streak. Okay. But, um, Milwaukee, of course, will figure things out, and then also with uh, with Philly, I of course am very high on the nine game winning streak. Um, the, the, the worst thing for Philly, though, is, of course, you got to play Atlanta and you got to play the Mets so many times during the year. And that's going to be one thing that's just going to be very hurtful, I think, in their schedule uh, to, to be able to make some noise to get to October. It'd be very honestly, it'd be a shame if if Phil, if Phil Walkie, if Philadelphia was going to become, uh, you know, just a traditional eight or seven seed, you know, year in and year out where they just barely missed the playoffs. They did it last year, barely missed the playoffs. Um I'm sensing that this year it could happen again, and it just would be a shame that, you know, if they get so close again, and Bryce Harper, of course, cannot get to the postseason uh, for, you know, another year. And, it, you know, just it look, it's almost like the Phillies are kind of the comp to the Angels. I mean, I just feel like they have a star player, um, and it just seems like every single year something new happens. And they just find a way to kind of just barely miss out on the playoffs. But um, I would say Atlanta Braves right now have to be uh, the most legit team so far. I mean, I think everything's clicking. Acuna has been, I feel like, getting leadoff home runs every single game. Um, he's kind of been back in a huge, huge way. So uh, Atlanta, for me, is the one team that really needed this winning streak, and I think that they're going to really ride this into a uh, you know a successful uh, start, hopefully the second half after the All-Star break. But uh, that's my take for that. Yeah, sure. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense, but I think that, and this has kind of been the trend last year, this year. I'm high on the Phillies. You're kind of high on the Braves. We're yep. kind of opposite in that way. Um, I think that this winning streak for the Phillies is kind of exactly what they need, needed as well. I mean, of course, any team was in a winning streak. You can say, oh, this is the key. Like, this is the reason they're going to make the playoffs. Yep. But, you know, lots of season left still. I just think that um, there's so much that I like. If you ask me, you know, Wheeler, that's an interesting kind of question, actually. Wheeler and nola mm -hmm. or freed and cow right yeah i would take wheeler and nola me too um yep. but then of course i think there's the more superstar upside with the cunha versus harper um if both are playing you know up to their what they're capable of um there's tons of ways you can divide that whole thing up yeah um, definitely but i think overall if 
one thing I will say is the Phillies, I mean, the Braves will be active at the deadline like they were last year. Mm -hmm. They'll make some small, interesting moves and maybe things click like last year and it works out for them. I think what I can definitely say is I expect the Phillies to be aggressive if they're in the playoff picture. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be in the picture. I think they will deal prospects if they think they have a chance to make the playoffs because Dombrowski is there to make the playoffs with Bryce Harper. Like There is a clear mission. The Braves got their World Series being last year. I don't think they're going to go all in mm-hmm. on like That's a win true. this season. You know, I think at the deadline, there's a really good chance the Phillies are highly active. If they are a winning team by that point, I don't know why they would not go and try to trade for um, an ace reliever, a, a true closer if one's available in the market. I mean, there's tons of options. I'm sure there always will be. Every year, some losing team has a great closer. I mean, last year, it was the Angels. They held on to Iglesias at the deadline, yeah. but they're was that option where teams were like, can we get Rice Iglesias? Like how much prospects would that cost? You know, um, there's always going to be good closures on the market at the deadline. I think the Phillies could address their big weakness in that way. Um, also just depending on the starting pitching and the bats and who's healthy at the time. Um, I expect Dombrowski to be willing to deal to get his team to the playoffs. You know, of course that could very well fall through. We'll see how the season kind of continues to progress, but I do like where the Phillies are at right now. I think that uh, they also have underrated guys in their team. Like I think uh, Eflin is someone who I just picked up in fantasy. I think he's a really sneaky, good, high upside arm for them. Uh, I think there's just tons to to like about the way he does not walk anybody. Um, he's got some good strikeouts too recently. So uh, I, I think I think there's a lot to like about um, a lot of players on on, on Philadelphia. I it, think it'd be interesting to deal see if they deal a guy like you know Mickey Moniak, who's a high prospect. Um, I, I I would be shocked if they dealt. A guy like Bryce and Stott, um, and also, I mean, w- what if they just said, you know what, we're going to give up Ranger Suarez, you know, a guy that's young and has a lot of upside for a, you know, back into the bullpen kind of guy. You know, that I feel like you can see them making some pretty, pretty gutsy moves to to really fix that last piece of the puzzle, which is their bullpen. That that's going to be the biggest, you know, fixer upper for for of course for my take for for Philadelphia. Yeah, and even I, I will say this. Maybe you can even trade a guy like Alec Bohm, who I do true, think true. is, yeah. I think is a really valuable piece and someone that they will not easily part with. But if they say we can get a really good starting pitcher or a really good closer plus something else, like yeah. probably multi, like a couple things, they'd be willing to part ways with them because I think they could easily fill that spot with a defensive minded player and just hope the bats kind of pick up that defensive player and they can kind of fill that spot, increase the team's defense overall. Cause that's a big weakness for a bone. Definitely. Um, remember so, he, remember he have a, he effing hates Philadelphia. He, he, right. He doesn't uh, like, playing I, I, I think, I think the fans responded to that actually pretty well after he kind of yeah. came out and owned yeah. it and said, I said that, but it was a mistake. And, yeah. and I love, I love the fans and blah, blah, blah. But I do think that, you know, the business decision of the GM to say, we will part ways with this kind of young and up-and-comer for the sake of winning now. I think Bohm could have a great MLB career at some mm-hmm. point, but I don't think he's necessarily a 2022 win-now player. Yeah. He very well could be. Maybe he gets super hot and is like a player of the month at some point. He, he, he has a really special bat when things are right, but the defense being a question mark and the bat being a little streaky, I think they could look to upgrade um, not at third base, but use that chip to upgrade elsewhere. Definitely. Just get an average third baseman in there that can play some defense and kind of fill that spot. Um, but yeah, I think that there's uh, lots of options for them. It, it, it's an exciting situation for Phillies fans. Um, you hope that you they kind of keep it up and 
are able to be aggressive at that at that deadline. And at least that division got a lot more aggressive in the last you know week or so because it just seemed like the Mets were a clear runaway. Um, it was I, a runaway. I yes. saw a guy actually today. He works, I think, for um, I think it's like SNW or SNY, which is uh, a New York uh, broadcast. Right. And he basically was saying, I think it was uh, when the Braves started the winning streak. He was basically saying this division's over. It's not even June, but this division is over. The Mets have it. They're the, they're winning the National League East. I'm crowning them right now. And Always since too that, early. Since that video, the Braves won, of course, 12 straight now. So, again, you get guys that are going to start posting stuff like that. And baseball is just a funny sport where you've seen crazier leads just diminish by September. And, again, we are so, so far away uh, from, you know, calling this a season so far so I, I mean honestly we're looking at the standings there's probably a lot of teams that are going to be either of course propelling their way up or dropping their way down it'll be interesting to see of course which teams are those that do so but uh just a funny video of course i saw that a guy just kind of slowly almost slowly being proved wrong as time progresses if atlantic can keep up the winning streak and keep playing good baseball but and it's funny how that happens like as soon as you feel like your team is like oh this is us our year yeah things can switch so fast and it's not like the Mets are playing bad anyways they're like had a 500 road trip at the same time as their division rivals all got super hot so exactly i, I think i saw a tweet from one angel fan when uh you know detmer's no hitter against the rays we won i think 12 nothing rendon hit a switch hit home run um, it just seemed like the angels were a lock, a lock. And I think people were just saying like, you know, give us, give us the division or people were saying like, you know, give us the fourth seat already. And you know, two weeks things, later, things, things happen. Things change very quickly <laughs> all across the league. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll spare, we'll spare the listeners today. I almost broke into a whole talk about how I think we're still in it. hundred <laughs> games to go. I'm ready for the marathon. You know, yep. it's going to be about being healthy. It's going to be about, um you know being smart out there uh feed me the dodgers right now i i yeah i i we talked about the the phillies at the deadline travis i'm interested to see where the angels are at the deadline because there's a chance they can go pursue a pitcher or a middle middle infielder oh yeah uh i guess before we wrap up here i'll just kind of get something off my chest that the angels have like the worst six through nine hitters in all of baseball i think by ops they are the worst six through nine lineup in baseball and they're one through five is top three in OPS, so um, it's really a tale Balance of it out. it's a tale of two halves of the, of the batting order, and it'd just be so convenient if we could just trade for a, a bat that can play second base or shortstop, and just carry Velasquez on the bench yeah. as a defensive sub or something like that. Yeah. Um, Send then, down a guy like Wade too, because yeah, you like, know. The, the, we don't need that many guys who kind of. Uh, are these kind of specialist types it feels like they're really bench utility guys uh not really starting utility guys of course when fletcher comes back maybe a guy like wade does get sent down but yeah. we'll see how they play it but you know duffy wade velasquez seems uh, and renjifo seems like a little too redundant similar type guys play similar yeah. positions all on the same team um it's hurting the team offense for sure having them all kind of start games well you know, Ward is out and Stassi's on the bench and, you know, whatever it may be. Exactly. And it's, it's funny whenever you design like, you know, your, your perfect bench, your perfect, you know, like fantasy bench when it's, you know, either fantasy baseball or even like, you know, just, MLB the show, the video game, you basically want to make sure, okay, who's my power hitter versus a lefty. Who's my power hitter versus a righty. Where's my speed options. Where's my guys that play all over the, all over the field. You know, yes. you want to have all that depth, but when you have four guys, like you said, or even three guys, like you said, Duffy, Wade, Velasquez, they all don't hit too many home runs and right. they all play 
Um, same positions. Same positions. And they all play, I guess, a, a good variety of different positions all around the infield. But it just seems like we really don't have too many options in a late game pinch hit scenario to go with anybody that has, you know, the option to hit the ball 330 feet. Yeah. You know? no, yeah. A, a so, bat that you really fear off the bench is just non-existent unless yeah. like for some reason we like bench Mr. Suzuki. That day. Yeah. It's, <laughs> uh, I, I think we'd be remiss to mention Travis. I was at the Sunday night baseball game Mets yep. at angels. My dad and I were sitting there talking. Are they going to pinch hit Otani? If you didn't know, uh, Otani, that was, of course. I mean, Otani, of course, did not get the start bench on a national broadcast. That that was a big. What, what no, I will, no, I feel like, yeah. What I will say, Travis, is I was super against it the whole time. I was like, "This is dumb." Like, yeah. you know, don't bench him here. Like, we get we rest guys too much. Apparently, net according to Nevin, Otani approached him and said, "Can I have the day off?" And if that is what he said, please, Otani, take the week. Like, yeah. whatever it takes yeah. to keep you healthy, and yeah. if you feel good, then you can play. But yeah. he said, "Give me the day," so we gave him the day. So he gets the back to back days off because the Angels didn't play. But yeah, Otani got the uh, the the bench throughout the game. But then ninth inning, uh, or actually eighth inning at first, we had a great chance to uh, strike. But Trout and Walsh both fell victim to Edwin Diaz. And then after that, the ninth inning, I just see do up Matt Duffy, uh, Kurt Suzuki, and I think Tyler Wade. I might have been head for your car. And it just like it just like <laughs> Otani needs to bat here, yeah. right? Like he yeah. has to bat. But we were, we were down by three, so it's like maybe wait for someone to get on. But mm-hmm. like it, it, no one got on, and Otani ended up in the on deck circle for exactly one pitch, which was the last pitch of the game yep. to strike out Wade. So um, that's ultimately how the season or how the game wrapped up. But um, yeah, Travis. Overall, not gonna get down the rabbit hole in the Angel stuff. We already kind of started, but gonna p- pump the brakes. If you made it this far in the episode, thanks so much for listening. Uh, YouTube video is coming up usually. It's usually like a Thursday or Friday upload. It's what I've been doing recently. So check out the YouTube highlights. Um, I post it on the social media. Check out the social media, Instagram and Twitter, at Two Tools Baseball. Travis, we're going to keep the content coming week in and week out. A lot of fun stuff coming up. I'm excited to talk about All-Star Game as that gets closer. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it feels like we're you know about a third of the way through. Um a lot can change. A lot might stay the same. Summer months are here, and uh, it's exciting. It's fun to see who's going to be, you know, heating up, and then we head into those dog days of summer, and which guys are just, you know, who, who can keep the momentum. Exactly. So, but yeah, uh, if you made it this far, we appreciate you so much, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs> <laughs>